Hello, podcast legends. Back again with another episode. I had a few questions from clients actually around tempo and the reason why we manipulate it in our training and the benefits around it. So I thought I would do a little podcast on it today to give you all a little bit more knowledge around why you want to be manipulating your the tempo with your strength training exercises. So tempo effectively just means the speed that we're performing the movement at. So pretty much all exercises, if you think of like a squat or a push-up as an example, there's an eccentric component, which means we're lowering in terms of a squat, we're lowering, if we've got a barbell on our back, we're lowering the weight down towards the floor in the push-up we're lowering our body down towards the floor so we're controlling that lowering portion and then when we push back up it's the concentric so the eccentric is the lowering part the concentric is the raising part of the movement where we're pushing the weight up so for the most part when we're talking about manipulating tempo we're going to be manipulating the eccentric which is the lowering partner Uh, the lowering part and potentially adding in a pause there. So there's like an isometric hold or a pause at the bottom of the rep before you produce the force and move the weight up. So the reason why we want to do that is it improves our ability to absorb force. So when we are lowering that weight down, we're absorbing the force. When we push it away, we're producing the force. So when we ride a dirt bike, if you think about it, it's going to depend on the terrain, obviously, but to throw a number at it, I'd say it'd be a pretty even 50-50 split of how, in terms of how much we are either absorbing or producing force. Because if you think about when we hit an obstacle on the dirt bike, what keeps the dirt bike stable and moving in a straight line is the input that our body gives the bike so if you just ghosted your bike down a hill it would go into a big tank slapper and cartwheel down the hill so our body needs to be our mass needs to be giving the bike input mostly through the foot pegs handlebars how we position our body and the input we give the bike will dictate how stable the bike is and the direction the bike is traveling So when we hit a bump, whether it's a G out, landing off the jump, hitting a face of a jump, coming in under brakes, hitting like braking bumps one after the other. When we hit something, when the bike hits the bump, we have to absorb that force initially. So imagine like the bike, we let the bike come towards us a little bit. So easy way to think, like an easy one to visualize is coming in to braking bumps there's like five six seven eight big braking bumps and every time you hit one of them you have to absorb that force if we were completely limp we would get sent straight over the handlebars so we are having to create some amount of force um, tension i should say in our upper body and absorbing that force to an extent and then pushing the bike away from us to an extent as well obviously Every obstacle is different. The amount at which we have to do that, how much we have to absorb, how much we have to produce, um, comes down to 
the size of the obstacle, the speed we're hitting it at, all of those things come into play. But if you can grasp that concept, you can begin to think what it's actually like riding a dirt bike around a track. You begin to understand that we are having to absorb force a lot of the time as much as we are having to produce force. So once we hit that bump, whatever it might be, the face of a jump, a bump, a braking bump, wheeling through whoops, we absorb it and then we quickly, in most cases, produce some force because if we don't, the bike's gonna come off the ground in most cases, or the wheels, I should say, are gonna come off the ground. So in most cases, we're letting the bike come towards us a little bit and then we're producing some force and we're pushing the bike into the ground. For the most part, unless we're going off a jump, even when we are going off a jump, we wanna be trying to stay as low as we possibly can. That's why all the pro guys scrub the jumps and stay low because it's quicker. Um, obviously that's pretty advanced, but it's the same principle when you're riding along on the ground and going over bumps and whoops. The bike has no traction when the wheels are off the ground. You can't accelerate and get power to the ground when the wheels are off the ground. You can't use your brakes and slow down coming into a corner when your wheels are off the ground. So what we're trying to do for the most part is keep our wheels on the ground because that's when we've got traction and that's when we can use our brakes. So that's essentially what we're doing a lot of the time is we're pushing, we're absorbing that force and then we're pushing into the bike to keep it planted and keep it heading in the direction we want to go. So, like I say, it's going to depend on the terrain, obviously, the type of track we're riding, obviously, but to throw a number at it, maybe it's a 50-50 split of absorbing force and producing force when we're riding around a track. Um, so if we can think about that in our training, how can we get better at absorbing force? Because... That's the way I look at strength training in general. And for you guys that are perhaps not super experienced in strength training, but uh, into your cycling and, and building up that base, that aerobic base, like you'll all know that, that the more capacity you have, then the more endurance you have. So that's how I look at muscular endurance. I don't, I don't look at muscular endurance as how many reps can I do with a 10 kilo dumbbell. That doesn't mean anything to me because there's very little amount of force being produced there or absorbed there for that matter either. As opposed to having a 100 kilo on a barbell, we have to control that load and absorb that force and then produce a much higher amount of tension and force to move that weight. So when we have built that capacity and we have a much higher capacity, whenever we're riding our dirt bike and we hit a bump, we're using a much lower percentage of our capacity. And when we use it, again, to come back to the aerobic capacity um, concept, is whenever we're using a lower capacity of anything, it's going to last longer. It's the same like imagine it like fuel consumption on our bike if you're having to ride your bike or even drive your car to its absolute limit with your foot to the floor you're not going to get as much out of the tank when it's when you're at quarter throttle and coasting then 
your fuel tank's going to last you a lot longer. So muscular endurance is the same. That's how I look at it. When we have a much higher capacity, we have a bigger fuel tank. And every time we hit a bump, it's using a much smaller amount of that fuel tank. When, we are, when we've never been exposed to high amounts of force and we can't produce and absorb high amounts of force, every time we hit one of those bumps, we're using a much higher percentage of our capacity. And that simply means we're gonna fatigue quicker. That's, it's a simple, simple calculation. So that's why it becomes important to manipulate the tempo in our training. So that eccentric part, the lowering part, we can make an exercise much more challenging and create a lot more time under tension without having to add any load on the bar or load to any external load that we're using depending on what type of exercise it is. So as an example, to use the squat as an example, again, if you're just sort of repping out squats at your normal pace without really bringing any intent to controlling the tempo. You might only be taking a second to drop and then bouncing straight back up. So we can change that, manipulate that tempo and actually like go, we can go all the way up to even like a 10 second eccentric where you're like taking 10 seconds to go from the top to the bottom of your squat. So you're really, really slowing that eccentric control down. So Obviously, you're not going to be able to use as heavy a weight as what you might for a normal rep because it's a lot slower. It's if, if a normal rep's taking you one second to lower it down and you're going to take 10 seconds, it's, as, it's almost like you're doing 10 reps of the, of the eccentric component in one single rep. So you're not going to be able to use as much weight in that example, but... That's an extreme example going to 10 seconds. I have done that with some clients and I have done that with myself um, in periods of time. It's, it's really good for training the movement pattern. It's really good if you're rehabbing an injury and you're not able to expose yourself to heavier loads and we really wanna focus on the control and the stability, we can slow it right down. But generally speaking, if we're looking at like a normal sort of uh, sets and rep scheme, you might say something like a three second eccentric. So we're taking three seconds to go from the top to the bottom. We're gonna have a one second pause at the bottom and then we're gonna explode back up. So again, we can create a lot more time under tension and challenge an athlete, make an exercise harder for them to complete without having to add extra weight on the bar. We don't always have to be throwing more weight on the bar. That's not always the answer. Um, so I'm a big fan of manipulating the tempo in exercises and improving our ability to absorb that force because to be well-rounded and to be able to tolerate all of the physical demands of what we're actually facing when we're riding a dirt bike, we need to be able to absorb as much, if not more force than what we have to be able to produce. So it's super duper important. Um, it's really common, like when I have new clients come on board and they start training, although they have had training experience, a lot of them don't know when you say, okay, we're gonna change the tempo up this week. They're like, what does tempo mean? So a lot of people have never heard of it or never been 
never had it prescribed to them before or explained it to them before. So it's super important part of our training. Um, even something as simple as a push-up, like once most adults can rep out 10, 15, 20 push-ups pretty comfortably, like for junior athletes, push-ups can be quite challenging and they're just going to get some really big gains of just doing normal reps of push-ups. But once you can kind of do 15 to 20 push-ups, like there's not that much point just doing more and more reps of push-ups. So a simple exercise like a push-up, you can really challenge yourself by adding in some tempo there. So again, if you think about what we're doing when we're absorbing that force coming into braking bumps, it's almost like we're lowering ourselves down into that push-up position. So it is a range of our strength that we need to be strong in and we need to be able to absorb that force in that pressing uh, position off the chest. So something as simple as a push-up doing like a 5-5 exo tempo, so five seconds from the top to the bottom, a five-second pause at the bottom, holding a tight position at the bottom with your chest hovering off the floor and then exploding up. Do that for 10 reps and let me know how you go. That's a really good challenging tempo prescription on push-ups if you if you're already like if you can already bang out 15 20 push-ups no worries then that's a really good way to challenge yourself to absorb some more force in your push-ups and more time under tension with the the pause and the isometric component at the bottom so we can do it with any exercise like absolutely any exercise the biggest ones we manipulate it on our squats any squat variation RDLs, because RDL is obviously more of an eccentric hamstring exercise than, say, a deadlift where it's mostly concentric. So the RDLs, we're lowering the weight down, pausing with the weight off the floor to load the hamstrings. So we can really um, manipulate the tempo there depending on what we're trying to achieve and increase the time under tension without having to actually add any load. So squats, RDLs. Uh, and then just, yeah, like your general pressing, like whether it's push-ups, bench press, those types of exercises, they're the main ones that we would manipulate tempo on. But like I say, you can pretty much manipulate tempo on almost any exercise if you want to uh, change the stimulus and the challenge for the athlete without having to actually pile more weight onto the exercise. So it's always like, especially when I'm working with completely... Uh, new, new to training or untrained athletes, I always want to be able to see that they can slow an exercise down, like really slow it down and pause anywhere in the movement before we add add load and go heavier. So think about that when you're doing a squat, like if you've got the barbell on your back or front squat, whichever variation you're performing, can you actually stop anywhere in the movement on the way down and the way up and maintain solid position and technique? You should be able to do that. If your technique's really good, you should be able to, same in a push-up, you should be able to lower yourself to the floor, push yourself back up and pause anywhere in that range and maintain a solid, stable position. If you can't, then you just need to do more volume and bring more intent to your technique to get the technique better and build your capacity. There's no point adding weight, going heavier on your squats or your deadlifts, whatever the exercise is, there's no point, point piling intensity onto, an, onto a movement that you can't control really slowly. So it's a, let's 
a very simple part of our training is being able to slow it down and control it. When we can do that, then we know, yeah, I, I own this movement. I can own this movement and stop anywhere throughout the movement and maintain a solid position, then I'm good to add some load here very safely. I've built the capacity to add load in this exercise. So the best time of year to train it, I, I shouldn't say to train it, but if you're new, if you've never chat or manipulated your tempo, the first time you add some tempo into your training, you could potentially experience some DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, which is that, that sore feeling in our muscles the day after we train. Because again, what I explained before, if you're taking one second to do a, a normal eccentric part of a rep and you chain, you multiply that by three and you do the same amount of reps, you're doing the same amount of reps, but you're spending three times the amount of time lowering the weight down. So it's almost like you've tripled your rep range in the lowering the eccentric compartments components. So you're essentially bringing in a lot more volume into your training when you start manipulating your tempo. So if you've never done it before, you might expect um, a little bit of DOMS or soreness the next day. If you're like really experienced in training and you've been lifting for a long time, it's probably not gonna be that bad. If you're completely new to training and you're inconsistent and you, your body's not used to tolerating load, you could potentially feel really sore the next day and need a walking frame to go to the toilet. So we don't want that to happen. Ideally, we want to avoid that as much as possible, but just be aware that if you've never manipulated your tempo and really slowed things down, that err on the side of caution the first time you, you're bringing it in and keep the weights a little bit lighter because uh, it can potentially bring in some DOMS the next day. It's usually short-lived and again, like anything after like the first sort of 10 to 14 days and you complete the session two or three times, then the body's going to adapt as long as it's getting everything it needs, sleep, hydration, nutrition, protein, etc. then the, the recovery should be fine. So the best time of season is the pre-season or the off-season, whatever you like to call it. I call it pre-season um, because usually not riding as much the average person or especially not having to travel and race so that means if we are bringing in a little bit bit more volume into our strength training off the bike it's not going to have an adverse effect on what we're doing on the bike um, and racing etc so that's the best time to really build up some capacity and slow things right down with your tempo is in the off season. You can definitely do it through the season as well, but generally speaking, we do more of it in the in the pre-season, off season, and then in season, we sort of shift things to being um, not so much focused on controlling the eccentric and we're more focused on explosive um, and power development. So that's the time of year you wanna be doing it mostly. Uh, the big like, I hear people say all the time that that um, like going for a three-hour cycle is a great muscular endurance workout. But if you think about like what I just what we spoke about at the start and how like to throw a number at it, like riding a dirt bike is probably a fifty-fifty split of um, absorbing and producing force. 
If you think about riding a road cycle, there is absolutely zero force absorption going on. There is only a light amount of force production. We are producing a very small amount of force to push down on the pedal to propel that bike forward. So there is literally zero force absorption on a road cycle. If you're, that's why I'm a really big fan of mountain biking, cross country mountain biking, as a much better option. If you're riding on rough terrain, doing some descending, um, hopping through rock gardens, those types of things, there is going to be some level of force absorption going on. Again, if you think about going down a downhill on a bike, there's rocks, drops, so we are absorbing some amount of force. Again, it's very low amount compared to what we have to do on a dirt bike, but it's way better than a road cycle, way better. So that's just something to think about, and it's something to know within your training that if you think a three-hour road cycle is improving your muscular endurance, I would say at absolute best, it's only produce it's only improving 50% of it and when you th- when you actually understand the amount of force we have to produce to ride a dirt bike and then the amount of force we have to produce to push down on a pedal riding along a road there's a very very big discrepancy there so it's not even close to the amount of force we have to produce on a dirt bike so it's barely even it's not even 50% like it's not even close in other words <laughs> so again i'm not saying don't do it it can be a part of your training, but don't trick yourself into thinking that it's providing some massive muscular endurance benefit because it's not. It's just simply not. When you look at the demands, the physical demands of what we're actually having to do and the the amounts of force that we have to produce and absorb to ride our dirt bike, which remember it's our body plus the bike. So for most people, that's 180, 190, 200 kilos of combined mass. We're riding that into and over obstacles at high speed, that equates to massive amounts of force. So our training needs to needs to support that. So the best way to improve our ability to absorb force is with tempo train manipulating the tempo in our strength training. So if you've got any questions on that, shoot me a DM or um, an email. You can subscribe to the email list through the link in my bio on Instagram or send me a DM on there. Otherwise, that's it for this episode and we've got another couple more coming this week. So we will see you on those ones. Bye for now.